0: He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Hospitality means uh, means freedom. Uh, it's the it's the freedom of uh, movement for capital, for people, for experiences. And I think the the short term rental space is what uh, what really encapsulates that all. Uh, a lot of the people that work in the industry they they enjoy traveling, uh, they enjoy having good experiences and give good exper- giving good experiences. And that's what I believe in as well. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at SlickTalkThePodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform.
1: In hotels and vacation rentals, the top complaints or issues are noise, garbage, and parking. I may not be able to solve all of your parking and garbage problems, but I could definitely help with your noise problems. And that actually might just help your garbage and parking problems too. So NoiseAware is the only 100% privacy safe noise monitoring solution that property managers and owners can use in order to ensure they avoid parties and other issues happening at their property. You won't get notified when a plate breaks, but if you have a little quiet get together that kind of gets out of hand like this. Then NoiseAware will give you the peace of mind to ensure that you and your property, and of course, your profits, are protected. So use my code SLICKTALK20 to get 20% off of all noise monitoring devices and focus on the other important things that help you run your business. Now, thank you for checking out SlickTalk, the Hospitality Podcast get back to the episode, and don't forget to check out Noise Aware while you're listening. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and every week is a special week because we always have amazing guests on the show, and today I'm really excited to introduce the co-founder and CEO of HostAway, which is a vacation rental industry platform for property managers is a leading PMS and channel manager for vacation rentals that was started from scratch. And the co-founder here today, uh, Marcus Rader, is here to talk about the journey of building this and currently where we are today in, in the world of hospitality and short-term rentals. So Marcus Rader, my friend, thank you so much for being on Slick Talk today. How are you?
0: Thank you very much for having me. Uh, well, we're, I'm doing uh, doing well, the uh, industry is recovering remarkably well and at uh, at a fast speed, especially in the in the US. And we're seeing now in our biggest markets that uh, that vaccines are rolling out and people starting to book trips again. And that's, that's really beautiful to see.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's uh, COVID. We, in the beginning, we always said it sped up the innovation of of the industry. And Now it's speeding up, uh, you know, the recovery in a lot of ways. Uh, now with vaccines rolling out and people getting more ready to travel, that revenge travel, which we'll probably talk a little bit more in detail in the episode. But uh, I'm curious to know, where did everything start for you, Marcus? Because uh, you guys have been at this uh, you know, industry for a while. So I want to hear your story and how you got into vacation rentals itself.
0: Yeah, good uh, Good question. I was actually, uh, when I moved to, to Canada about six years ago, I was, I was considering renting out my home on, on Airbnb, but across the Atlantic back in, in Europe. And I, I, I thought there should be an app or something to manage that remotely. And I, at that point, I didn't even know how Airbnb worked. I, I just knew the basic idea that you have, a, you have a place where people enjoy to stay. And to be honest, the home that I had would be much nicer for travelers than for long term. Dwellers, because it's in a tourist destination, so people don't tend to like to even live there. And I was amazed to find out there's no such thing at all. And I I still think to even today there's no no app that you know makes sure everything works. Um, but what I found instead was an amazing world of property managers. And what I thought uh, Airbnb back then was uh, was just a hobby for people uh, that was based on their advertising at the time how. You know, single single uh, parents make ends meet with uh, Airbnb and people fulfill their dreams and so on. But when I started doing research on the market, um, I found out that's not the case at all. But this is a very professional market. It's a very uh, exciting market because you're able to put in VC capital and you're able to grow exponentially as a property manager. Um, also there's a lot of financial models involved but of course for me what really excited me was that the biggest obstacle to growth out of the property managers that I managed to to interview and and talk to it was always technology and uh, I come from a from a long line of technology companies um, worked a lot in the in the ad space uh, and even mobile apps or mobile games but um, but it was exciting to see that the problems they were they were facing were well back then. I thought they were simple technological problems. They're actually extremely complex problems. Um, but it was it was a very clear message that uh, right now is the right time to go out and build that technology. Maybe not for all the property managers, but for some. And um, as we ventured down on that that journey. Um, we found out that, no, we actually need to build technology for all the property managers. Mm. And that's what we did.
1: Well, now I'm curious. So you said you've been involved with tech startups and, and technology as a whole for a while. So what were some learnings from previous, either other industries or, or ventures that you guys brought into the creation of Hostaway?
0: Very good uh, good question. First of all, I, I remember there was... Actually, last week, one of the companies I used to work for raised 28 million. They're called Usician. Uh, They're the, the largest music educator on the planet. Okay. Uh, with over, well, a few years ago, they had 100 million users. I guess now it's way more. Wow. Um, but uh, when, when I started working there, they gave me this book. I said, look, you just have to read it. If you don't read it, you can't really work here. Um, it was called uh, Lean Startup. Okay, And I, I read that and suddenly everything popped into place for me. Everything made sense. Every, every time I made a bad decision or I, I didn't get a promotion at work or, or whenever I managed to sell something to a customer and they were really happy and paying a lot of money for that, everything just made sense. And what I've come to learn after that is that actually all entrepreneurs face exactly the same same challenges um, they they all have the same problems yeah. and actually most of those problems are fairly easy to work or easy to solve as long as you're willing to admit that you have this problem and as long as you have the the necessary network and in many cases capital to solve it yeah but uh, but it's been it's been amazing to see how how you know it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you have a scalable business it has to be something that that can rapidly scale in order to apply principles of scaling and growth. Um, but um, yeah, that's, that's maybe my biggest takeaway is I, I was able to look back at all the other companies that I worked at and realize that behind the daily work, there was, there was, there were hardworking founders who had mm-hmm. given everything for it and they had, they were all successful, but they had all so many failures in their past.
1: Yeah. And that is a good point that you make. And I, I'm, going to bring this up because all my uh, audience and listeners know that I do a pre-chat with every guest, uh, unless I've already known them for a while, or the repeat guests or whatever. Uh, but we do, we do a pre-chat for the show. And you and I were actually talking about uh, a, a fun, you know, game uh, that we've all known and love uh, from our, on our phones. Uh, but can you tell us a story of, of game 53 as, as you like to call it? Um, the, the, just a story that you're kind of sharing with me behind what uh, what was created as Flappy Bird.
0: Yeah, sometimes um, you have to do new things. And uh, when, when, you're, when, when you set up a company, you always have this idea of what it's going to look like and what people are going to do and what it's going to do and so on. And that, that idea that vision, it never really turns out the way you wanted it to because some parts of that, some critical elements turn out to be unnecessary or dysfunctional. And some things you didn't even imagine you need to add them, uh, which means you need to go into an area that's completely unknown and uncertain. And usually when you have to do that, you fail. And then you try again and you fail again. And you try a couple more times. And there's, uh, there's one sometimes uh, when, when I speak to, to staff members who are de- feeling demotivated. when they, you know Why can't we get this one thing? It should be so simple. Mm-hmm. Why can't we get it going? I always tell them about. Remember game fifty three? Uh, it was it uh, was back in uh, in Finland. There was uh, a couple of guys who who decided to build mobile games. I unfortunately don't know them personally, um, but they they decided to build a game, and it was it was a great game. It was a fantastic mobile game, but. That's not what determines success in the mobile game space. There's really only two things you can do. One is to get a lot of players, and the other one is to get a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Having a good game is not, not some means to an end. It's, it doesn't... I mean, yeah, having a terrible game probably won't help you, but having a good game doesn't really mean much. Yeah. But uh, these guys, they, they built a game, and it, it didn't work. People didn't want to play it, and didn't matter what they did for it. So they they built another. And when they started getting up there to game 48, out of which the review said, why would anyone ever play this? Um, They ran out of money, uh, which, which is what usually happens when you fail too many times in a row. And eventually they managed to scrape together the budget for game 52. And of course it failed. And then game 53... I don't know how they did it, but they managed to build Game Fifty Three, and despite having fifty-two failures in the past, they managed to build the top-grossing uh, game of all time called Angry Birds.
1: Yeah, I love that, uh, and that, that kind of brings back to to. I want to bring it back to Hostaway because for you guys, how like I, I guess for your founding story, whether it's Hostaway or even just previous versions of Hostaway, obviously you guys have probably been evolving. As the not only the industry but the years have gone, so what is game you know was game fifty three look like for your guys' journey in Hostway as a whole?
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of smaller things, but I can name a, uh, name the the biggest ones. First of all, we we never intended to build a PMS. We intended to build a channel manager. Okay, and um, that was a I think it took us two and a half years to realize that. No, we really need to build an all-in-one platform, mm-hmm. and um, and we really have to be the central point for absolutely everything. Because otherwise, we're going to be dependent on other systems that we can't that are beyond our control, and that's not something you want in a in a tech company. You yeah. don't want you don't want any additional risk because tech is quite risky in itself. Another thing we we um, had to pivot on is we started targeting. Uh, smaller property managers uh, nowadays I don't even count the number of properties I count the number of staff they have but oh. let's say people who are who have less than five staff members or typically people who had who are just doing it themselves maybe they managed five units maybe 10 maybe 20 by themselves but um, but we had to make a it wasn't really a pivot we' still uh, we're still a really good platform for those property managers but when you have two hundred employees, when you manage thousands of properties, your demands change. Yeah, and um, and we realize that there are different systems out there, different technology, different ways, and different operational and organizational structures. We have to support both of them. And what we actually managed to to build is a platform that you grow with, mm. and that's that's very very rare especially in our industry there are platforms that are good platforms that are cheap platforms that work in certain markets in certain situations but to have one that you can use with 5 properties or with 5000 that's that's quite unique in this industry
1: yeah. and and you guys started out as a channel manager compared to a property management software so you kind of got a lot of the i guess bottlenecks Kind of out of the way for a lot of property managers. As a property manager myself, the the one thing I'm either worried about is my calendar syncing, or that uh, my rates or everything else isn't going to the channels correctly. Um, that's always kind of like the what if, right? The, that what if thought. And starting out that way, I think you guys bring something really unique. So, can you tell us what that really looks like from a development side of the of the the software? Um, was it actually beneficial for you guys to start that way or was it actually a hindrance to create the PMS? I'm curious.
0: I think we, in hindsight, we would have had a way faster go to market without, without doing that. Yeah. Uh, or even if we had just uh, many of our competitors, they started by only doing stuff for with Airbnb yeah. and no other, other channels or they partner with other channel managers Uh, technically it's extremely complex because, uh, first of all, the, the OTAs, they, they are now focusing on the partners because partners like us, we're, we're the ones to bring them the most valuable stuff, which is the inventory that they sell. Um, but they weren't built as platforms to collect inventory. They were built as platforms to sell bookings. Mm -hmm. And uh, technically, that's, that just means that they're built for something else than what they're being used for at the moment. Um, also, they, um, um, and we're, we're official partners with, with all the big ones, but even then, they have different functionality in different parts of the world and for different target groups and for different property managers. It works in a different way depending on, on how things are. They also have a lot of manual overrides. Uh, not to mention the the fact that the, the simple basic functionality you need, well, nothing's really basic. All, all is quite advanced. We, we think it's, it's basic um,
1: sometimes, but then, yeah, getting into it, it's not. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it's it's not always documented correctly. And things change. They deprecate an API to release a new version, and it's lacking one feature that your software needs um, there's new APIs coming all the time and you have to be on shortlist in order to get access to them. but if you are, that means that you're a beta tester and sometimes you implement a feature that everyone loves, but then the OTA stops supporting it. Um, so having having a strong tech background is is a requirement here because you're uh, you're not, not going to be building a software that does one thing and expect it to work the next day. No, you have to constantly update it to make sure it works. And um, when I say that it has to work, that's not only whether it actually does the job, it's also the demand of the market changes radically. Overnight, just last year, we saw that suddenly cleaning and Wi-Fi are really, really important. And that was never a problem before. But then that means you you need to have an extremely uh, knowledgeable and agile development team. If you don't build up that from scratch, it's going to be very hard Mm-hmm. To do anything that's complex in this industry,
1: that's a really good point. And uh, I think for a lot of us, uh, I'm not gonna even say a lot. I going to say for everybody, last year was uh, a, a game changing year in all of our businesses. And I'm curious to know from our, from the Hostaway standpoint. Let's say April 2020 to now, you know, we're actually in, in May 2021, uh, so a year later. Uh, what what have been those I guess big, big changes that maybe you guys didn't even see prior to COVID nineteen that you guys have implemented.
0: Yeah, really, really good question. Uh, there's uh, there's a couple of of things that. Uh, first of all, what what I what I did because we we weren't we we have a diversified user, user base. It's it's global, mm-hmm. um, but since we're high end product with a with a. Let's say fairly high price. We are in the high end market, so yeah. it's basically Europe and uh, Australia, New Zealand, North America, and so on. Um, but um, but we we lost a, a big part of that, to be honest, and and that wasn't that wasn't great. And uh, and for me personally, I managed to take the opportunity to to stop everything regarding strategy. And you, know, you don't need you don't need a five year plan when the world is ending. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But what I did know was that our, were uh, many of our customers were in distress, and uh, many of them also went bankrupt. I, I got on the phone with each one of them. I, I set to set together a task force to wow. make sure that I just get to talk to each one of them wow. and uh, and see how we can help. And and I did that. I think I spoke to over over many months. I spoke to almost almost twenty percent of our our user base and that was that was amazing for me because especially when i saw that the world didn't end mm-hmm. um it it was uh, it was really really good to have the insights from from directly from uh from the end users
1: well it's not and just uh, uh, yeah it's not just data coming in it's actual human you know verbal communication of not just seeing the data on the back end of what you guys see but you're actually Hearing it from the horse's mouth in a lot of ways, which is really exactly,
0: yeah. exactly, and it uh, it gave it gave a lot of confidence because what we uh, most of all what what people were saying they were giving us praise they were so happy with uh, with the service and with uh, with the product that that was that was really good motivator at, in a time of of distress. Yeah. Um, but what it what it allowed us to do is, is really segment which part of the markets are going to pick up when and uh, what do those people need. So one of the things we did was we we introduced, it took, we had been planning it for many years, but it never really took off until it had to be done 24-7 support mm. and, um, and have a really good support team with enough resources in place to actually help anyone. Because when you're a property manager and you're, Business is reliant on a piece of software. If you don't know how to do something, it doesn't matter if it's written in a, in a user manual. You need someone to talk to because yeah. property managers don't have problems in their daily lives. They have problems in stressful situations. And in those stressful situations, you don't want to introduce any additional stress. And that's when, that's when, uh, when we're going to be there.
1: Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. So... Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting that you bring that up and I'm kind of curious, is there anything just, this is just a, something I, I want to know personally, and I'm pretty sure the audience does too now that I'm thinking about it, but out of that 20% of, of property managers and, and clients that you guys talked to during that time, what one, you don't have to say names or companies or, or anything, but what one situation I think maybe stuck out to you the most for the, you know, the days to come that kind of always sat in the back of your head. Was there any particular one that was just like, yeah, when they said that it really struck a chord?
0: There's uh there's one uh, that I still remember because it was uh it was quite a, quite a difficult day. It was a property manager in Rome. They had more than uh, well, they had around 20, but they were very high end units. And um, basically they were so high end that they had, they said they had 90% Americans and that was in in Rome, in the center of Italy, which at the time was the epicenter of the the pandemic. Yeah. And 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 I asked him, well, no, I didn't even have to ask him. Is there anything you can do? Because he he admitted that this business is gone. Mm. Maybe five years from now, someone will set up something similar. There is no nothing in the world that can save this. And that led me to realize that, um, that you know, we, we don't have to fight every fight, especially the ones that we can't win. If, um, but instead, we can fight the fights that we can win. So one of the, the great outtakes from that was that we were able to, to pretty much stop running in the hamster wheel and instead, start focusing on, on what are the, the core aspects of our product that needs improvement, mm. and say, "Well, it's quiet now. What do we want? This is what we want to build." And we we brought it out to the. We have been again developing our product faster than anyone in the space uh, since since last March. So we have a, one big product launch every month and about three smaller ones every month. But it's uh, it's a bit hard to put in newsletters when we <laughs> so much stuff is happening.
1: Yeah, newsletters and the amount of virtual, uh, I guess, webinars and happy hours and endless, endless Zooms, uh, I can only imagine. Um, No, that's really cool. That's actually kind of, it it really opens up your eyes in a lot of ways. And you actually kind of mentioned, so, okay, I'm going to actually rewind a little bit. So for your new products and everything coming out, uh, one thing that I've been looking at uh, as, uh, I'm not a developer tech person, but I'm a, a very big fan of, implementing tech in the right ways in order to enhance the business to focus on the guest experience to then focus on a scalable business that's profitable that you can either exit or sell or or just you know have run and, and make a, a great revenue um, for for your lifestyle or for whatever else um, so with that it goes into consolidation of tech now for you guys at host uh, Hostaway, away um, I want to know what does consolidation of tech look like and is that something you guys are looking at it as an important thing for to, to, to be focused on for your business or do you think specialization for one specific area of tag whether it's PMS channel management or these other products that you're creating uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on that
0: yeah it's uh, it's interesting because uh, one one thing I immediately found out when I I didn't even know anything about the industry six years ago is that it's it's fragmented mm-hmm I, I, was, uh, I I've done actually my background. I, I've done a lot of market research and, uh, and also on the product side, I've been involved in product development related to market research. And I, it, no matter how many industries that I researched before, I had never seen one that's so fragmented where you have people look, speak, they sound different. Uh, their locations are different. Their business model is different. Their attitudes are different, and the way they operate their business and why they even have a business in the first place is different. I had never before seen seen an industry like that, and um, that's that's why we we had to start narrowing down the focus, and um, we didn't want to limit ourselves geographically. But everyone says this is a fragmented market, and uh, that's. Also true on the tech side. We have uh, competitors that started in two thousand one is the the oldest one, I think. Um, and there's a lot of legacy technology out there. There's uh, that even has a, a large user base. Technology that that does some parts of the business, but doesn't doesn't really do what what the customers what the consumers want these days. They want a fast and easy process they want to they want access to all the information actually they want answers to the questions before they ask them Mm. that's that's what consumers want these days and um, um basically they're all using some similar parts of the technology but you can't really consolidate something that that is being used for different even if the technology is the same if it's being used by different people for different reasons for different purposes and with different outcomes it's going to be very hard to consolidate that mm-hmm. and um what but on the other hand you can't have a bunch of companies that are just trying to do something similar yeah. and nobody really knows the difference between them either because not every one of those companies can be profitable if there's enough of them not they're not all going to be profitable there's a there used to be a, a thousand Facebooks around, and then Facebook became profitable, and the others disappeared. Um, now uh, we're seeing we've seen a couple of waves of consolidation, um, and there's there's one underway right now, probably because a lot of companies are are distressed or or tired after a pretty hard year in the travel industry overall. Yeah, um, but uh, I I think it's exciting. I, I love mergers and acquisitions and uh, especially what goes on behind the scenes of those things. I think it will definitely continue because of the fragmentation, there's, um, there's not a lot of property managers out there who have never considered using any technology at all. Yeah. In fact, most, most of them, if, they're, if they've been started in the last five years, they probably use some technology. And sometimes they can't switch away for one reason or the, or the other. And if you want to grow into that segment, the only way you can is by buying their current supplier.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you okay, so this is this is fun. Uh, I'm curious to know what do you what are your predictions? Do you have any thoughts on who's going to consolidate or or anything like that? What are your guys's? Um, what does that look like to you? Do you see any like if you could guess on any? Unless you know, if you if you know, then you don't have to share. But I'm kind of curious because I think what you said is, is pretty true. There's a lot of different fragments of, of softwares and different types of managers that use these softwares um, with a lot of similarities. But then there's always that key one or two features that that manager or that management company is like, Hey, we, we absolutely need this no matter what. Um, This is the backbone of our, of our business. Um, So I'm always finding that interesting. We, you know, with, with, Airbnb's IPO and then now it looks like Sonder is, is going to go in the same direction. Um, I'm curious to see what that does because there's been a lot of venture capital getting put into short-term rentals specifically. It's no longer just hotels and, and other um, hospitality businesses or travel businesses. So uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think.
0: Yeah, well, I, I don't think there will be uh, a winner in the foreseeable future. Mm. simply because it's it's still so fragmented and i i think i realized that already three or four years ago when we set up our, our first office in barcelona and i mm. went to visit there and immediately i thought i should i should of course meet our clients in barcelona but more importantly i should meet the property managers in barcelona that aren't our clients so mm. I, I did that and i asked them what technology are you using and then i mentioned some. I don't remember the name, but I had never heard of it. and I've never heard of it since. And I asked, what would it take for you to switch? And he, he started listing how, how much he hates that piece of software. Oh, wow. But uh, but it came down to one factor. And the factor was that his cleaners were not speaking English or Spanish. They were speaking Catalan.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And um, And he said, that's the one thing. If you can give me a cleaner app, in Catalan, then it doesn't matter if you're just slightly better than whatever I have now, I'll switch immediately. <laughs> and that's when I realized no, this is this is not we're not gonna have a winner takes it all scenario in yeah. this industry for a very, very long time. And um, and one thing also to consider there's a large travel markets in Asia that's completely, at least in the in the vacation rental space, is completely disconnected. For example, mm-hmm. Airbnb doesn't allow short-term rental for rentals for residential properties at all. And, um and Latin America is now uh, growing but they they're they're five years behind yeah there's there is just so much to go on there's so much opportunity right now so consolidation isn't the only route I mean today if you were to launch a, a social media network that would be pretty hard and and you' pretty much you can only exit to Facebook or or Twitter or Probably not even Google. Yeah. yeah, you have you have two buyers and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um but but that's not the case here, and it's not gonna be for the next five or ten years. Maybe after that. Maybe after that we'll see something. But if we look at the hotel space, yeah, there's a couple of big players, but it doesn't stop one thousand, two thousand uh companies from being very successful and and very profitable without being one of those big ones. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and that that brings up another question I have, and uh, maybe even just a great a great talking point because I, I come from the hotel world. I started out with an autograph collection with Marriott, as a lot of my audience knows, and and whatnot. But uh, for not just consolidation on the tech side, but with this gap uh, of being you know this gap being bridged between hotels and vacation rentals, is that something you guys are even seeing on on your Hostway side? Are you seeing hoteliers start getting into the, the short-term obviously there's homes and villas by Marriott and a few other programs. Um, but is this something you guys have been seeing with, with maybe even some users or current hotel companies?
0: Absolutely. Uh, it's been even pre pandemic. It was, uh, it was going on the, the hotels wanted into this, uh, into this space. Um, but especially now that for in large parts of the world, the hotels are, are empty. Um, they they have to get in at any any means possible, and it's it's been interesting. Well, some some of it is simply necessity. For example, you have some very skilled talent that are simply out of a job because the city that they live in, they could manage any hotel better than anyone else, but there's no hotels that need management because they're all closed. Um, we have seen those people get hired by by. Uh, vacation rental companies, is that, mm-hmm. and there's there's uh, quite a steep learning curve uh, transitioning from that world uh, mm-hmm. into vacation rentals, and uh, we are constantly training our customer success team on how to how to bridge that gap. I mean, just to name one example, it's the the whole concept of uh, supply and demand is. It's the opposite in the two worlds. Yeah. In a hotel, let's say you have a small city with with 200 hotels. That's what you have. It doesn't take much to figure out that it's fully booked on Super Bowl week. Yeah. Um, because you know, because the 200 hotels are fully booked. But when it comes to short-term rentals, on the other hand, you can have a spike in supply. A high, high, fully booked hotel weekend might turn out to give a, a lower nightly rate for short-term rentals Mm -hmm. and that's a mindset that that you're living with a constant fluctuation in supply it's a bit like on amazon when you find a great when you're selling a great product everyone's buying it until suddenly there's a hundred other people selling the exact same product and it's slightly cheaper than you or a lot cheaper than you Mm -hmm. you you can't control that supply side on the vacation rental side
1: that's true and uh it brings up another like Another thing, when I first got into vacation rentals, I was still a hotel manager and we did daily, if not well, like I did yield management for our revenue, but then also we had weekly meetings and we had monthly overviews and then we had this and we had that. And we had a lot of revenue management tactics and strategies be put in place at the front desk and all this other stuff. And I remember one of the first, people and like clients I started talking to was like, Oh, how are you guys doing your rates? How are you doing your, your revenue management? Like, Oh, it's, it's X amount of dollars a night. That's it. Like we have obviously a little bit of an influx during the busy season. Uh, but it was very, nobody was doing revenue management in the way that there are with, you know, now beyond pricing and wheelhouse and all these other uh, products that are doing dynamic pricing. They're keeping up with that supply and demand. They're seeing what's being booked and what's not being booked and how people are booking and what the booking window looks like now. And, that was just something that wasn't around or wasn't at least talked about or used, you know, I would say four or five years ago. So now where if you don't have dynamic pricing uh, you're missing out, you're leaving more, way more money on the table than ever before. Um, so I think it's, yeah, you make a really good point.
0: Yeah. And there's uh, the, the other example that's, that's really obvious is the guest experience Oh yeah. because with, with a hotel, people know where it is. If you go to the Marriott at an airport, you know that it's at the airport and you just need to look at the signs. There's the Marriott. Um, but what's, what really differentiates vacation rentals is that the guests, y- you are actually selling the experience more, mostly before the guest arrives. Because yeah. what what determines the success of hotel is the, the occupancy rate and the uh, the nightly rates mm-hmm. you know you look at the revenue at the end of the year and that's where you know whether you were successful or not in vacation rentals you're successful if you have good reviews yeah it's that simple and uh, those reviews comes from expectations versus, versus reality and what you need to do as a property manager is completely the opposite of a hotel in a hotel you need to have high quality beds you need to have need to be in a good location but with vacation rentals what you need to do is is uh, adjust the expectations of the guests before they arrive and that starts with things like marketing photos mm-hmm. you take or or reviews from other users or like sure there's an element some elements are overlapping like you need a location that people want to go to yeah but sure. but even then i've we, we have one customer who's out in the desert um renting out a beautiful airstream uh rvs yeah that are just sitting there he's got an rv park Is but he, in, uh... he can ch- he can charge up to a thousand dollars a night on that out in the middle of nowhere
1: then that that's Tree? something
0: that yeah that's something yeah. that i'll yeah. tell someone who's lived in the hotel world you wouldn't really think about that it would seem like someone's crazy concept but yeah. in the vacation rentals you can you don't need a concept at all you can just start doing it 100 and it might work and if it works you can you can expand it you can have 20 rvs or
1: 50. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that you brought that up. It's, you're, you're really creating the destination experience way beforehand. Um, and that, like, for, for us, one of our properties has horrible Wi-Fi, horrible Wi-Fi. Like, if you're a remote worker, you don't want to book here. You don't want to stay. This is not a place. And we put that in our listing. And and people actually, we get five-star reviews. And they always mention, I'm glad that they told me the Wi-Fi uh, isn't, isn't fast. It's not something I want to do zoom calls on uh, because it was a great weekend for me to unplug and get away. Like, you know, something like that. And I think you really are tailoring in to where I think from my experience on the hotel side, you're saying, Hey, whoever wants the best room at the best rate, you got it. Like come stay here at this property um, versus a vacation rental. You're really tailoring to a certain person or a type of person. So, you know, uh, Unplug getaway type, you know, retreat versus this is a great staycation slash workcation property where you have a stand up desk. We have great internet speed. Here's a uh, a screenshot of our our fast Starlink Elon Musk Wi Fi that we have here at the property that we installed just for you type deal. Um, there's completely two different uh, tailored uh, experiences and and guest I guess quote unquote avatars as people have been saying lately. Um, so I've yeah, been-
0: and what, one of the amazing parts there is that what i see some property managers are able to do successfully that's quite rare but mm-hmm. it's it's possible but it would be impossible for hotels yeah. let's say you have a you have a city where the uh, a single room for a three star hotel costs 100 dollars there's just no way you can rent out your rooms at 250 it doesn't matter how fancy your swimming pool is you, there's just no way you can do it but what you can see in vacation rentals is that the property manager gets to choose the guests on two different levels. At a hotel, people walk in and they get a room.
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent.
0: But with a vacation rental, you can first of all market it to a certain audience, and a part of that is the price. Mm-hmm. Part of that is people who want to pay two hundred fifty for a one hundred for one specific reason, whatever that that reason happens to be. But if you can find it out and you can attract those guests, you can actually do that. You can charge two and a half times what your neighbor is charging if you just choose the right guests in the marketing and also in the vetting because if you get the wrong guests staying there they're going to say well you know what this was two and a half times the price and it was just the same stuff
1: as next door yeah definitely you make a really good point you make a really good point um i'm curious to know because you've you've been talking about the the development side for hostaway and i don't want to make this about the industry and and all these predictions that we've been talking about, which is really fun, and, and I love geeking out in this way. But I really want to be able to talk about Hostaway and what you guys are really developing, and actually maybe even how this, you know, you know, predictions or thoughts of of the future of short term rentals and and vacation rentals, how this is implementing uh, you guys, the I guess the ideas or the sparks that are creating these new products, and and what you guys are doing. So is there anything in particular right now for Hostaway itself um, that you guys are just Going all in on with the product creation side uh, to to service the the fragmentation in, I guess the industry of the of the property managers.
0: There's certainly a lot of a lot of developments. Uh, uh, I'm I don't think I can highlight any any one in particular. Uh, but but one example of of the hotel and the vacation rental uh, industries merging is that we're seeing demand for property managers to take over entire complexes so mm. one of the things we have we have built and launched since since the start of of the pandemic is the support for multi units mm. um another trend that i don't see going away um anyway anytime soon is um getting direct bookings
1: yeah definitely
0: because that's uh, that's something that that has completely changed. I I don't think the OTAs in any way have lost the trust. I think they have their own market. Yeah. But on the other hand, what we're seeing right now, so I always say we're we're in we're in two industries. We're not in the software industry, um, but we're in the travel and in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. And um, so I I monitor the real estate industry very closely. And what's happening right now is that there's a Globally, a huge amount of capital being put in. And what the, the end outcome of, of it is, uh, unfortunately, the rich are getting richer and they're going to keep getting richer. But what it means specifically for the hospitality industry is that there will be more people who own more of these vacation rentals. Mm-hmm. And there will be fewer people overall that can afford to buy one. Um, and as an outcome of that, people will want to rent rent. So the demand for, for vacation rental properties for rent will also increase because real estate prices are, are skyrocketing, especially vacation destinations right now. Mm-hmm. And that's not because of work from home. That's, that's just a shift. It's not even a shift. It's just an acceleration in what would have happened anyways, except now it happened in one year instead of five years. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and as an outcome of that, people will want to make sure that they know who they're dealing with. Because they they may not be able to go to their dream location because it's fully booked, and uh, they may instead want to go with their family or with their friends to some place nearby, someplace they know, and uh, they might reach out through their own network, maybe even going on Facebook and find out their their cousin happens to be a property manager near the lakes, yeah, you know, two hour drive away, and then book that way. Yeah, that's just. Uh, yeah, that's, that's one example that is, there's so much right now, so many reasons to book directly. Yeah. Um, not even to mention things like cancellation policies, which are a lot easier to negotiate directly with the supplier rather than through a third party party platform. Um, but that being said, the OTA OTAs are going to do great as well. I mean, the Airbnb IPO was really a boost for the entire industry. And, uh, and Airbnb themselves are saying they need a thousand more more hosts right now. Yeah. And and that's what our numbers are showing as well.
1: Well, that's good. It's good the numbers are lining up in all directions. Um, I'm curious do you think the trend of drive-to destinations is going to go away even when international opens up with you know the the rollout of vaccines and everything? My prediction, I've been saying I don't obviously it's not going to be as high as it is because it's one of the only options that like let's say people in the U S can do right now, other than a few places like, you know, Mexico. Um, and if you, I can't remember what else just opened, something else just opened up, but, um, but other than like Mexico, you know, a lot of people don't have that option to go to Europe or to go to Scotland or to go, or, you know, wherever. Um, so my thought is that it will diminish a little bit when international travels opens, but I still think it's going to be a hot market. Um, something that people have now experienced and tasted and, and felt and it's like, okay, this is a, This is a good experience. I like traveling within a five-hour radius of my house. It's not as stressful. I can do it more often. Um, I'm seeing my backyard in a different way type deal.
0: Yes. um, I I can tell you why I think that is drive to destinations are here to stay. Um, The travel industry as a whole, um, so not, I mean, vacation rentals is a very small part of the travel industry. But the travel industry as a whole, uh, it has shifted, it has changed forever. Um, That's because it it used to be driven by business travel. And for companies that had to quit business travel for a year now, uh, they have either found themselves bankrupt or they have found out that they can conduct business without travel and save a lot of money. Now, what it means for the industry as a whole is that suddenly... Even though the, the problem might be gone once we have open up travel, you're not going to have big companies putting back these budgets just to go travel to meet someone to, to close a deal when, when you have the numbers right in your spreadsheet. They're telling you, you can close a deal without meeting these people. Now, there are people who will want to travel. But that travel will, they, they want to travel with their family. They want to travel with their friends or they want to travel even alone, but they don't want to travel for business. And even if they do, they're not going to get the budgets to do that. So you will have, you will see probably uh, just like drive to destinations will continue being strong. What I think will be, be a very strong industry is, is conventions and, uh, mm. and uh, meetings.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's that's an interesting one. I've I've been looking at the side of like okay, if you have a team that's national, let's say they're they're all in the US or they're all in Canada or wherever. Um and you have one on the east side, one on the west side or not one, but you have a group on the east side, a group on the west side. No office, everyone's working remote, but then you have the ability like you said conventions or other things where you can actually hey, east side team and west side team meet up at a hotel or a vacation rental that we booked for you. It's cheaper. It's not going to be a huge expense, um, but it just won't happen as often. Like you said, you don't need to go close that deal every weekend or every Monday to go fly out to a place and, you know, shake hands and sign contracts. You can actually, you know, do it less often. But um, every now and then, I think that human interaction for employees or, yeah, employers to their employees is going to be something that maybe they'll start doing it like a group travel or I don't even know how to word it, what it would be, but some kind of business travel, but more for the employee's sake, not just the employee to client.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we we actually did our first retreat already in 2018. In hindsight, we should have done it again in 2019, but yeah. we we were quite busy in 2019. Um, but uh, we, we brought everyone, we have people around the world employed and um and we we brought everyone to barcelona for a week it was uh, awesome. it was a great experience and something that i've done in other tech startups as well but now especially that we're all all remote whether we want to or not um we are going to meet up but uh, i think I'm not at least gonna travel to meet individual clients. Instead I see myself going to a convention and mm-hmm. if I need to meet an important client, I'll do it online, just like I have so far. Yeah. Because it's it's much more efficient.
1: Yeah. I love that. Well, Marcus, man, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and get to know more about Hostaway and the journey and you know, of course your thoughts on on the industry um but i always love to ask my 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 guests on the show so the audience has easy access uh to everything we've been talking about what's the best place for people to go to find more about you or about Hostaway and all that good stuff where can where can they go in the show notes uh, directly to to find you guys
0: great great question uh on the hostaway.com website we have a blog we we produce really a lot of good content and uh and that would be the number one place. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also send me an email at marcus@hostaway.com. At I uh, I tend to pick up on it. So if anyone wants to reach out, maybe you're looking for a new career, um, <laughs> let me know. Yeah. I'm always open to talk.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Marcus, again, it's been such a huge pleasure. Uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and, and, and the company and figuring out Uh, I guess your thoughts on all these topics and it's been really fun to kind of geek out a little bit more than more than most so I appreciate you taking the time to be on Slick Talk and Slick Talkers everyone who's listening you can see every link in the show notes as always Uh, that will never change so easy access in the show notes go ahead check it out and we'll see you guys again next week. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please
0: find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcast.
1: As I've been growing my business and finding new ways to add to my property portfolio, I have to think about how I can anticipate the homeowner's needs, just like I do for my guests. One of the things owners always ask is, how is my property going to be protected? What happens if something gets damaged or worse? These are valid questions and concerns, and I have an opportunity to address these concerns before they even get mentioned, all thanks to having safely as part of my toolkit. I can ensure all stakeholders are covered during a guest stay and use this information as a way to grow my business by ensuring my property owners know they can trust that i have them covered if you're a professional property manager then you need to get safely in your tool belt so you can focus on operating and growing your business thanks for listening to slick talk the hospitality podcast now back to an episode